Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm Alex Burr. Um, JD Hall had some family issues this week, is probably the best way to put it. Um, pray for it. Keep him and his family in your thoughts and prayers. Um, they're dealing with a tough time right now. Um, no curveballs this week. I want to say shout out to FAU. You know, Janelle Davis and the Owls made it to the Final Four official team of the power hour um we're at this point you know this is the first time some we've rooted for something on the power hour and it's gone exceedingly well in i'd say forever so um janelle the rest of the owls um dusty may indiana native um bob knight disciple i think it's safe to say i will be rooting for you in your upcoming games, but um, yeah, I just wanted to give them a quick shout out. The only injury news of note is that, well, first of all, Andrew Wiggins is working out again. Okay. So that's exciting. Um, Hopefully he'll be back soon because his absence has been a huge one for the Warriors. And I feel like that should be talked about anytime you try to try to discuss the Warriors even. But I think the biggest thing to talk about this week is that the Nets officially shut down and sent Ben Simmons home. And I'm just going to, I'm going to come out and say it probably the biggest catastrophe ever. Not ever. They've made the Nets have made several catastrophic moves um, just in the past. Let's just, let's just call it since 2010. Okay, um, Darian Williams trade wasn't horrible. Um, but giving up Damian Lillard for Gerald Wallace, less than ideal. Um, giving up Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and I, I believe Colin Sexton was the other guy who came from that Boston trade. Um, I, I also think Terry Rozier might have been. So Celtics, Nets picks. We're going to see who they all picked. Um, Because I think... So if my math's right, it would have been the 2000... So 2013 pick. Because that trade happened on draft night. 2013, 2015, swap in 2016, which conveyed 2017. And then 2018. So we're going to see who they picked. Um, Cause that was a catastrophe. Um, but this is pretty, pretty close to it. So. Oh, that's right. The first pick wasn't, uh, it wasn't Rozier. It was James. So. Um, not, they didn't hit on all those picks, but they hit on most of them, and they traded that other pick for Kyrie, which, speaking of Kyrie, um, Mavs are going to be one of the last teams we talk about. But, man, <laughs> you want to talk about an all-time collapse? They lost two in a row to the Hornets. 
they had to get Luca's 16th technical rescinded just so he could beat the zombie Pacers. <laughs> what are we doing in Dallas? That's going to be a fascinating team to break down because they have been collapsing and it has not. I don't think it's all Kyrie's fault, but um, back to Simmons. Okay. Simmons. Since the really, if you want to talk about it, since pandemic, okay, he comes back in 2021, has probably his best defensive season. But offensively, it's probably his, you know, least aggressive season to date. You know, I think that year I'll pull up his basketball reference, but he didn't average a whole ton of points. I think he averaged like 14, nine and five, which is pretty low for him. Um, so, yeah, in 1920, 1920, we're at 16, eight and eight. 2021, he's at 14. Seven and seven, which is a little better than I said it originally, but still decreases down the board. Um, the defense took a major step up. He was doing a lot of other beneficial stuff, but then we see, you know, the post game comments from Embiid and Doc Rivers been talked about to death. Um, doesn't play at all in twenty one, twenty two, and then this year. This year, it's just been a catastrophe. There's no other way to put it. It's triple single. Um, and it's not like Draymond. Draymond's earned the cachet to average a triple single, right? Because Draymond is gonna, is the best defender in basketball when he's fully engaged. I, it's not really even a debate still. Um, when he's fully engaged, he can guard one through five. Simmons can guard at best. Right now, he can, at best can guard two through four. Um... Simmons isn't screening. He isn't rolling. He refuses to look at the rim outside of like three feet. He's taking 1.4 free throws a game this year compared to five in 2021. He was only shooting 61% on those free throws, but he was getting to the line five times a game. That's not insignificant. The fall off from that year to this year has 10 field goal attempts in that year to 5.6 this year. Um, Really, everything is telling you that he's just gotten so much worse. And I don't know if it's all. I don't know if it, he needs. But it's not like, again, he didn't play it all in 21, 22. So who's to say, you know, it's physical. I don't think it is at this point. Again, I don't know him. So this is speculation, but... I think he might just be done. And it's sad to say he's one of the most talented young players we've ever seen. The, the, the sky was the limit, but man, when the sky's the limit, just sometimes it sucks when they hit a cloud and fall back down to the ground. Um, I wanted to start this week. Our teams are the bulls, the nets, funny enough. And Wanted to start with the Bulls. Um, the, the other team is the Suns. I'll, I'll start with the Bulls. I'll move on to the Nets and the Suns later. Um, Bulls are 36 and 39. Good for 10th in the Eastern Conference. At this point, I think the play-in race in the top 10 in the East is pretty well settled because the Bulls have a few games on the 
Pacers and the Wizards. So right, I'm pulling up the NBA standings right now. Um, forgive me, they're loading. Um, but last I saw, because I checked them earlier today, I think the Pacers were 33 and 42, and the Wizards were 33 and 43. So Bulls being 36 and 39, that means the Pacers are. That means the Bulls are three games clear of them almost. Jesus, page is taking forever to load. There we go. Yeah, so okay. They're two and they're two and a half games ahead of the Wizards. Wizards are 34 and 30, 42. So at this point, I don't think the Wizards will catch the Bulls. I think the Bulls are pretty safe. Um, on barring like an unforeseen collapse, plus the Pacers seem to be in <laughs> the Pacers seem to be tossing their hat in the trying to get the fifth best lottery odds. Because right now the Magic have snuck their way. Magic are somehow only a half game worse than the Pacers. So there's a chance the Pacers can get better lottery odds than the Blazers. So let me just paint a lottery picture for you real quick. I know this isn't going to be a lottery really heavy podcast, but right now the Blazers are 32 and 43. Magic 32 and 43. Pacers 33 and 43. Wizards 34 and 42. Um, Jazz 35 and 40. And then the Mavericks are the best team outside of the play-in race at 37 and 39. So you have real legitimate competition (laughs) for that um, fifth pick because right now the top four is set in stone. Um, Who gets the best odds between Houston, Detroit, and San Antonio will remain. One thing's for sure, and that's the fifth spot or the fourth spot is taken up by the Charlotte Hornets. Um, the Eastern Conference is whipping boys this year. <laughs> We've somehow won 25 games. I didn't think it was possible given the way their season started, but that's Steve Clifford for you. He'll pull miracles from, from out of nowhere. So back to the Bulls. Um, last five games. If you listen to the last power hour, I talked about their games against Philadelphia. They beat them in double overtime. 109-105 lost in the next game 116 to 91. They then beat the Blazers 124-96, beat the Lakers at Los Angeles in LeBron's return game 118-108. I suppose that's a little bit of return news I should have talked about. Um LeBron James back um for the Lakers and then lost to the Clippers in the second game of back to back. Um still in Los Angeles. 124 to 112. One thing that impressed me watching the Bulls, I don't know why this wasn't the case when they had Lonzo and when they had when they had Lonzo healthy. This is the first time I've done an injury update without mentioning Lonzo's name in like a month. Um, it feels like we've had Lonzo news every week. But with Patrick Beverly on the team. Okay. Since Patrick Beverly's gotten to Chicago, I'd be curious to see what their record is with Beverly because it feels like the season has kind of turned around with him on the team. So for the season, he's 500 as a player, right? Um, Since he got to the Bulls. So two wins, three wins, three losses, four, five, Six, seven, eight, nine, and eleven. Eleven and five with Patrick Beverly. Doing some quick math there. 
Um, that checks out checks out about with what I feel the record was. Um, and it's crazy how this guy <laughs> still everyone talks trash about how what what kind of player he is. They talk trash about his you know ability, whatever. What you can't deny is that man changes cultures. JD talks about it all the time. You saw it with Minnesota this year. You saw it with LA the year that he left. You saw it with. You see it every time he leaves a team, and you see it every time he gets onto a new team. The team, the team he leaves, there's a leadership size gap in the team that he leaves, and there's a breath of fresh air almost. It's like when you're, I, I'm, I'm not like super big in the sailing, but it's what I imagine it's like when you're in the middle of the ocean, you haven't had wind for weeks. And then all of a sudden, a big gust comes, right? This is this is back in the days when there's no like in- jet engines, you know, you're just relying on the big sails. Um, and a big gust comes and just blows your ship and it gets you to where you need to go. Like it gives you that final push. This, this is what I imagine adding Pat Bev is like, because this Bulls team was listless before they added Pat Bev. 11 and 5, their last 16, which means, or since when Pat Bev plays, which means conservatively, the Bulls were 25 and 34 when they added Pat Bev. Um, wallowing in the depths of the Eastern Conference. Okay. He has changed their season around. Um, He has gotten Zach Levine to play defense. And Zach has been amazing in the second half of the season. Just like utterly astounding. The first half of the season was DeMar DeRozan's. I'd say the second half has been um, DeMar deservedly made another all-star game. But really... Let's just do since January. Since January 2nd, I don't think Zach has missed. Zach hasn't missed a game since November 6th, by the way. Um, since January 2nd, 27 points a game, 50% from the field, 38.6% from three on seven attempts a game, getting the line seven times a game, five rebounds, four assists, 2.8 turnovers. And he's getting into dudes defensively. He's always been able to do this. It's kind of like watching the difference and still doing it without Beverly, which is cool, but it was kind of like watching Ant his rookie year versus Ant the second year. Um, and seeing that growth and improvement from year one to year two. And I think that's what the only difference is. Why weren't we seeing this before with Zach Levine? Um, he's been amazing on the defensive side since he's got, since they've gotten there. Like I watched the Philly game and he was cutting off Harden's drives. Like, Harden just couldn't do anything with him. And I'm not saying he's a defensive stopper by any means. You can't really do much with him if he's actually playing defense out there. Like, that's a guy where you need to... You used to be able to pick on him, right? Like, if he was like, okay, he's going to get lost out there. He's going to have his hands on his hips because he needs to conserve so much energy for offense. But now this team... And the twist of all twists is, I think, what, sixth in defense now? Like, I, th- I think at least top five. They're the fifth best defense in the NBA. And when you watch them, it adds up. I mean, again, no one's getting any stops this year. A couple of years ago, if you had a 112.8 defensive rating, you were probably in the bottom 10 
top five, which is actually insane. Um, but the point still stands is that the Bulls are playing hard on defense. They're rotating. They're doing the right things. I don't even have complaints about Fooch on defense, which goes to show you how well they're playing as a unit. Um, could he be better? Sure. But they won that game on Sunday without Vooch. <laughs> he said the magic words. They kicked him out of the game. And it was just, it was okay. Um, Patrick Williams has taken, I don't know if I'd call it a step forward, but he's definitely gotten better. Um, 42% from three. Again, it doesn't always look the prettiest, but it's not like he's not taking threes. He's taking three a game. Um, it's it looks okay. I think what we're seeing is Demar's. I'll be. I'm gonna look at Demar's stats because I'm curious to see if Zach's uptick in production has coincided with Demar's Demar's downtick in production. By the way, that um January first or January second game was that infamous game where um Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> took it to the Bulls. So yeah, since um since January 2nd, DeMar is at 23 points a game. Um five assists, four rebounds. Not like terrible numbers, but not like what he was doing his first year. In a year where that like everyone's seemingly scoring 30 points a game. Um they've both been really good, I feel. They've both been, you know, I wouldn't want to face this team in the plan. I'd be really scared to or die to face this team. Um, Kobe White, I feel, has taken a big step forward this year. Derrick Jones Jr., I've liked what I've seen from him. Um, Io, you know, a lot was foisted on his shoulders when Lonzo went down. You know, someone needed to step up and play point guard for this team. He's better suited as a bench contributor in my eyes, but him playing this much this early in his career is going to be good for him because at some point he's going to be called upon to stretch his role again and he'll understand what's required of him. He's only 23. I know he was an older college player, but that's still pretty young. So I feel like this season was really good for him. I know he struggled, but if anyone can figure it out, it's Iota Sumu. Um, Javante Green, I wish he was healthier for more of the year because he could have unlocked a lot more fun stuff. Um, and he's really picked it up. A lot of, I'm guessing, <laughs> I don't know exactly when he came back. I'm guessing it's relatively recently. Yeah, okay, so he played in the two Philly games and he hasn't played since. Um, I, I want him to play more. He's a fun part of their team. I wish he was playing more. Um, I guess that's why I thought he was playing. I guess I thought I saw him in the Lakers game. I did. Um, this team is going to be, I don't think they'll win anything this year, right? I don't think they'll, especially if they're the eighth seed facing Milwaukee is such a tough matchup for them. And Milwaukee, if people, regularly listen to this podcast, they know I'm really high on the Bucks. Okay. But I think this team can make some noise. I think this team is better than last year's team. It's crazy that I'm finally saying that, but the defense has taken a huge step forward. 
um, Beverly is bringing an element to this team of just fearlessness and you know he's and doggedness and if he's bringing he's he's unlocking the other stars on this team then it might be worth it and I think that it's going to be interesting to see this team in the play-in um, right now they'd be playing the Raptors in the first game um, just real quick like I think matchup wise I, I really wish I was talking to JD about this because he could pin down what the exact matchup issues are for this team better than I think I can. Uh, I have a real hard time watching the Bulls on League Pass because I they're blacked out for me. So I can't watch Bulls games on League Pass the way I can watch. Like, you know, I can pull up yesterday's Raptors game, no problem. But I have to wait a few days to watch a Bulls game. So I'm a little less knowledgeable about the Bulls, admittedly, than I am the other teams. I try to watch them as much as I can. But... I feel like for me, the Bulls would match up pretty great against the Hawks. I think the Hawks kind of have the same issues the Bulls have. Um, the Bulls have two better. I think Trey's a better player than either Zach or Demar, but I think the Bulls. I think those guys are both better players than Dejounte, so it kind of balances out in the aggregate. Um. I like the Bulls role players in correlation to their stars a little better than the Hawks, especially I feel like the Bulls guys bind to their roles more. Um, obviously, the Bulls had the coaching advantage because their coach didn't join the team midseason. The Raptors might be a little bit of a different story. And I think that's where I'd be concerned if I was a Bulls fan. Fred Van Vliet since the, um, since the Pirtle trade has been a monster. Now, the rest of the Raptors have not been sticking with the script. But that Raptors team... So, okay, so since the trade deadline... Deadline was the 6th. Let's just do since the 8th for Fred Van Vliet. So, Fred's averaging 20 points a game, 8 assists on 40% from the field, 36% from 3. Which is an improvement (laughs) over his season numbers, which are 39% from the field, 35% from 3. So you can see he's torching it. Um, he's just been playing a lot better since they've gotten Pirtle. Um, Siakam has kind of taken a step back. Barnes has kind of taken a step back due to the kind of lack of space on the floor, which I guess if you're the Bulls, you would try to take advantage of. But I, I think the Bulls, I'd still like their chances in the play-in. I think their best chance would be for Atlanta to fall to nine and then face the loser of Toronto and Miami, which I think would be assuredly Toronto. There's no way <laughs> Miami's not getting that seven seed. I, I refuse to believe it. Um, so it's going to be interesting for, to watch the Bulls and their progress this year. I think they have an interesting path. Um, and I, I'll just be really fascinated because if Zach keeps playing this way, if Demar is like 85% of what he was last year. You've got a hell of a team on your hands. Just a hell of a team. And now we move on to the Brooklyn Nets, who are 40 and 35, good for seventh in the Eastern Conference. Um, I lied when I said Miami is in the plan, although they're like probably going to flip-flop the rest of the season because when I finish reading the last five games <laughs> for, the, um, for the Nets, I will tell you their remaining schedule, and you'll be like, huh. 
they might win five of their last seven. So, um, they lost to the Nuggets 108 to 102, lost to the Cavs 109 115, lost to the Cavs again 114 116 on a buzzer beater by Isaac Coro, absolutely destroyed the Heat 129 100, and then lost to the Magic 106 119. Um, their last seven. <laughs> why I would not why I would be concerned if I was a member of the Miami Heat. They play the Rockets. Um, assuredly a dub tomorrow night. Or well, tonight when this is releasing. Um, they played the Hawks. That one could go either way. That one's probably a L, especially given the Hawks needing to win. Um and they most of these are home games too. They play the Jazz, who are undoubtedly trying to tank. <laughs> trying to get in that spot for Wemby. Um, they play the Wolves, which is a loss, and then they close with the Pistons, Magic, and Sixers. And those last three. So the Pistons, the Pistons, you know, Pistons are the Pistons. Um, the Magic have been playing harder, but at that point, you know, it's whatever. I could see the Nets in that game. Okay, the Sixers one is interesting from the perspective of that one's the last game of the season. Seeding will probably be all sewn up. I mean, honestly, right now, the top three only seeds that seem to be in dispute in the top three are going to be the one and the two. I don't think Philly can catch Boston. Really, the only reason Boston can catch Milwaukee is because they're playing each other this week. If they weren't playing each other this week, then I would say Boston is probably out of contention for that first seed. But if they weren't, I would say there's a shot, but I I think Milwaukee has a first seed pretty sewn up. Um, Milwaukee, by the way, 24, all those top three seeds, 24 and 14 for Milwaukee, 24 and 15 for Boston, 23 and 15 for the Sixers on the road. That's the stuff that champions are made of, by the way. Um, Back to the Nets. So, this team is a basketball team. Um, They are probably... So, they're 8-13 since the trade deadline. They were, I want to say, like, 3 or 4 seed. I think the four seed when the trade deadline went down, you know, obviously we know what happened at the trade deadline. They um, unloaded their team, sent Kevin Durant packing to, to the Suns, sent Kyrie to the Mavs. Basically their whole team composition is different. Um, I mean, if you want to know how different it is, Mikhail Bridges is taking 18 shots a game. Um, That's... <laughs> I don't even know how many games he got 18 shots of in Phoenix this year. Like, let's see. So he's already played 76 games. He may play 80. It's crazy. He's going to play 82 games. Actually, no, he's going to play 83. And I'm pretty sure he had to sit out a game. So let's see. Field goal attempts. He did get 24 up in a game for the Sun. So he got, he got a couple of games up where he was getting shots up for the Suns, but pretty consistently since he's been in Brooklyn. I mean, five shots more a game. That's a pretty good amount. Um, He's looked pretty good doing it. He's looked... I'd say he looked a lot better. 
in Brooklyn than in um, Phoenix. It's just largely due to a product of like, oh, hey, you know, I'm on a team. I mean, 27 points a game on 18 shots. That's a lot of that is March nonsense. You know, (laughs) we've seen this time and time again where March basketball is usually the. Not the realest thing one way or the other. But. We kind of saw him not look bad in Phoenix either when the other guys were out. Now, granted, um, granted, granted, granted. This is a little bit of silly season <laughs> for sure. But they're putting Jacques Vaughn is a good coach. We saw that plenty of times this year. Um, should be in consideration for coach of the year, just through all the <laughs> thick and thin he's had to drag the nets through. Um, I like how he's putting Mikhail in spots to just thrive generally. I like how Mikhail is attacking that mid range area. I'm going to pull up, um, cleaning the glass. I'm going to see what percentage of his shots have been from that mid range area. Um, since he's gotten to Brooklyn, but I would guess it's probably a good amount. So since he's gotten to Brooklyn, almost half of his shots, um, He's taken 401 shots in Brooklyn. 176 of them have been in the mid-range. That's almost half. The eye test and the stats tell you almost exactly the same thing on this. I'll be curious to see. I'm going to pull up his percentage so we can see what he is shooting exactly. Because it feels like he's shooting pretty good. A blistering 49%. Um, that's not sustainable for a full season, probably. Um, he, he makes one more. He's at 50 but I, I think what we're seeing with Bridges is that he's not the guy he was in Phoenix where, you know, okay, I'm going to be standing the corner guy. I'm going to be, you know, flash to the wing. I'll shoot a pull up three. You know, I'll take, you know, however many dribbles try to get to the rim. The guy he is in, Dylan called it. <laughs> I think that's one of the first takes of the Alex and Dylan basketball power hour was that Mikhail Bridges was Chris Middleton. Is one of the first ones I put up on social media for sure. Um, but Dylan called it all the way back in a couple of years ago, like way before this. And he was right. Like, I mean, the high release point, you know, the only thing that Bridges doesn't have is the handle. But what I think Vaughn is doing, he's putting him in spots where it's mitigating the lack of the handle to an extent. And it's like putting him in spots where he can catch it and go up or catch it and, you know, drive, catch it and whatever, where he's not having to create the stuff himself. And I think we're seeing, you know, it's kind of like Rip Hamilton to an extent. You know, I think that's kind of because I think Middleton's a better ball handler than Bridges. But if you can use Bridges, like, like I said, like Rip Hamilton, where, you know, he's coming off the screen, he's attacking that mid area. Because that mid area is open a lot now. Um, I think that you're going to have a lot of success, especially, you know, if you get a bigger star next to Bridges. Now, there's a chance, given that Simmons contract, and we talked about Simmons earlier. I don't think Simmons plays another game for that. Simmons might not play another game in the NBA. Um, Simmons has two years and $80 million left on his contract. That's going to be really hard to move without attaching some first round picks. And you don't have a lot of your own to trade. Um, you have Phillies this year, which might be the pick to move to tr- 
to move Ben Simmons, but you also want first round picks to stack up your to re up your stockpile of assets. Um, which again, you don't have a ton of. I'll say this, right? This team, if they were if this team had a star, this team would be like a star. Not like, you know, if this team kept KD or if this team had Luca. Oh my god, if this team had Luca Luca Ball, this team would be perfect for Luca Ball. Um I mean it would be perfect for Luca Ball because they have Dorian Finney Smith. Um if this team had a star, like this team is the perfect heliocentric team. They have secondary creators. They have, you know, I mean, hell, if you had Rocket James Harden on this team, genuine, like actual problem, but they don't have that guy and they're not going to probably get that guy. Um, the problem is, is that, you know, in order to recoup some of the value, you got to trade some of these guys, right? Cam Johnson, for instance, he's not going to help you in a couple of years. He's already like Cam Johnson's kind of old. Cam Johnson's going to be in his prime, basically, off of his restricted free agent deal. I'd look to sign and trade him. Um, Royce O'Neal's got one year left on his contract. I'd look to trade him. Um, I'd look to trade Dorian Finney-Smith. You have a lot of guys that will help a lot of teams win. Okay, you have a lot of guys that a lot of teams want. Um, use the fact that you have a lot of guys that a lot of teams want and build, 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 build. Now, will the Nets do this? Probably not because they probably lost a lot of money on the luxury tax the last couple of years. Well, I mean, building would be the best way to, you know, recoup some of those luxury tax savings, you know, or spendings. You get money from the luxury tax money. I know I phrased that really well, but basically when you're, when you avoid the tax, you get the money that the um, teams that went into the tax, you get that money on a big giant check. So like all those teams, that's revenue sharing. That's, that's where the revenue from the revenue sharing comes. So the Nets could recoup some of that money till Simmons contract runs out. Um, Avoid the tax. You have so many guys that would help so many teams win. I mean, hell, even Joe Harris, right? Give him a chance to help someone win. Um, Joe Harris, sneaky shooting 60, 43% from three this year. <laughs> He's played 68 games. Big time bounce back year for Joe Harris. He could help somebody win. Um, this team, if they're in the plan, <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. This team back, banged up enough wins where if they need to make the playoffs. <laughs> they need to, um, just looking at the difference between, well, so, okay. So basketball reference has them at seven. NBA.com has them at six. Um, they need to be at six to be solidly in the playoffs. Otherwise, they're missing the playoffs. I'm going to pull up Tankathon. I don't know where their pick is going. I don't know if they have it or if it's going to Houston. My guess is it's going to... My guess it's going to Houston. Um, so let's see. Tankathon. Tankathon does a good a better job of updating this stuff than I do. So yeah, Brooklyn has their own first pick this year. Okay. So if you miss the playoffs, you have a lottery pick all of a sudden from being in the plan. 
but the downside to that is is that now you miss the playoffs um after this season from hell there's no other way to put it right now they're sitting at the 21st and 22nd pick for with their pick from phoenix um really it could not have gone worse <laughs> for the um it could not have gone worse for the nets this year just in all honesty bridges coming in this late in the season has been a bright spot sharp has kind of looked okay um, we had that little Cam Thomas run around the trade deadline where he was dropping 40 points three straight games and then they banished him to the bench for some reason. Um, free Cam Thomas, first and foremost. I've always liked that guy. And I think the Nets are due. Like, I think the Nets are going to be. I don't know. I think the Nets can be a problem in a couple of years, if they just approach this rebuild the right way and they have to rebuild, they can't like, haha, you know, we're, we're in New York, you know, we, we can, no, you're the Nets. <laughs> okay. You don't have the same benefit of like the Knicks, the Knicks are in New York. They're, the Knicks went, haha, we're in New York and look at what, look how long it took them to be good. <laughs> so you need to like, just approach it straight. Just be honest with yourselves and hopefully it works out for the best. Now onto the Phoenix Suns, who I would have liked to push them back a little more, seeing as KD is coming back on Wednesday. But I'll be honest, there is not much time to push them back. <laughs> there is two weeks left in the season. Um, by the time the next two power hours come out, the season will probably be over. We will be on to talking about the play-in. I can't believe the season's already over. The season has flown by. Um, the Suns, forty and thirty-five, good for fourth in the Western Conference. Last five. Um. Blast of the Thunder, 124 to 120. Blast of the Lakers, 122 to 111 in a game that absolutely infuriated me. For not for the reasons you might think. Blast of the Kings, 135 to 127. Then it beat the Sixers, 125, 105. Then beat the Jazz, 117, 103. Um, Katie hasn't played since he hasn't played since um the Dallas game. He slipped on the floor before their his first home game against OKC. He's due back again tonight when this podcast comes out. Um, I watched that Mavs game. So, I mean, it's not like I haven't watched the Suns without Kate with without Katie. Um, that team was electric. I, I so uh, let's talk about the standings real quick because I've been kind of doing that with all these teams. Um, this, the Suns right now are kind of locked into four um, unless they slide super much. But they've been winning so much, I don't think they'll fall past four right now. Therefore, the Clippers are five, Wolves are six, Warriors seven, um, Pels eight, Lakers nine, Thunder ten. Um, there's two and a half games, or there's three games separating the Suns and the Thunder. Obviously, the Thunder won't catch the Suns. Um, I think the Suns won't catch the Kings, who are five games ahead of them. Needless to say, I think the the Grizzlies are pretty. <laughs> Grizzlies are eight and a half games ahead of the um, Suns. There's no way. Sorry, seven and a half games ahead of the Suns. There's no way they catch the Grizzlies. Um, so we um we're at a point in the season where the Suns made probably the move of the season, probably the in the biggest in season trade of all time, and we haven't seen it 
we've seen probably 60 minutes of those guys on the court together um, of Aiton, KD, Paul, and Booker. Um, who, who's to say? Like, everyone's always pointing out who's the fifth guy going to be. No matter who that fifth guy is, it's going to be some kind of hole, right? Um, if it's a Kogi, it's going to be shooting. If it's Tory Craig, it'll also be shooting. If it's Terrence Ross, it's going to be the defense. If it's, you know, TJ Warren, it'll also be the defense. It's going to be something with one of those guys. You're not going to have, there's no such thing as a perfect fifth guy on this team. Guess what? There is, there's never been such a team with five perfect players on their roster, except the 17 Warriors. <laughs> we are never going to see the 17 Warriors again. I need people to get this through their heads. That team had was a perfect basketball team before KD signed there. Okay. Look at that team. That team won with Andrew Wiggins in that KD spot. <laughs> or if you want to call it the Harrison Barnes spot. I mean, they won with Harrison Barnes. They won with Andrew Wiggins. Oh, yeah. And they won two with KD. So the Warriors have done the best job of like <laughs> constructing like a bulletproof team, I would say. Right. Like, especially in the early stages of their championship window when Steph was only making however much money, like when he was only making 11 mil a year. Okay. The Suns don't have that margin for error because no small forward worth his salt or power forward in this case, if you know, I mean, Katie's a power forward, but no three, four worth their salt is going to sign for the minimum on this in their prime. Let's say, yeah, someone like a little past their prime might like, but I think that's kind of the thing that gets lost too in this era. Like Shane Battier was such a perfect player for that heat team, but he kind of fell off a cliff really fast. Um, especially after that 2013 season, where it was, um, did he? I, he might have retired after that 2013 season. I'm gonna look it up. It was either after 13 or 14. Um, he might have went out on top. Come to think of it. No, he's, he retired after the 14 season. But so let, let, this is a perfect case study. So he goes to Miami in 2012, right? Um, the subpar regular season in 2012, but playoffs um, shoots 38% from three in the first championship season. Um, does everything the Heat need him to. Second championship season, um, 43% from three. <laughs> On almost five attempts a game, um, which in that era was funny. Like, I would have put Clay Thompson to shame. Um, and in the playoffs wasn't so hot, but he still was a key part of the rotation. And then the next year, it just kind of fell off the cliff bad. And then, like we saw in the playoffs, um, and he shot forty five percent from three that year, but he was only shooting one point three a game, only playing thirteen minutes a game in the playoffs. I mean. It, it just falls off so quick for these middle end of career guys. Like we we're seeing it with Otto Porter. <laughs> Otto Porter is as young as he is, he's kind of in this boat where he was with the Warriors on a minimum contract last year, goes to Toronto and look at where he is now. He might be, I'm not saying he will be out of the league, but he is not in great <laughs> physical shape and it's not anything to do with his conditioning. He just has not been able to stay healthy since his last season in Washington. Um, so 
back to the Suns because that's where this tangent started. Um, you're not going to be able to find the perfect fifth guy, probably. What you need to do is find a suitable fifth guy. Um, you need to find a bargain basement Jay Crowder. I'm going to pull up the list of 2023 free agents. Okay. We're going to see if because they don't have any first round picks to trade. Um, they don't have any you know, they don't have any really young players that you super duper want. So we're, we're going to pull up the forwards, okay? I think Chris Middleton, Chris Asperzing is a little out of their price range. Harrison Barnes probably a little out of their price range. Jay Crowder, I don't. Th- I think he has reasons for not wanting to go back to Phoenix. Jeremy Grant, a little out of their price range. Um, I'm going to sort this by 20. Kyle Kuzma, probably a little out of their price range. Dario Saric would be hilarious if he went back to Phoenix. Also would probably, I think, violate with the CBA. Um, Rudy Gay would kind of fit the Shane Battier principle, except you're already bringing him in too late. He is pretty old. Rudy Gay was in the 2006 draft. We're already seeing guys from that draft. I, I think him and Kyle Lowry are the only two guys from that draft left. It's not a coincidence. Um, and then after that, you're looking at Tory Craig, Daniel House, um, Kevin Knox. I mean, it's not really looking pretty for the free agency. Like Troy Brown, maybe, but Troy Brown, I mean, the Lakers haven't been super thrilled with him. Juan Toscano Anderson, maybe, but I mean, the Warriors and the Lakers dumped him without much second thought. It's not like, you know, wings don't grow on trees. Wings that hit threes especially don't grow on trees. Um, Finding a good one, that's going to be hard. You know, and finding a good one that you can get, that's going to be even harder. Um... I'm talking about next year. The Suns have a legit chance to win this year. Okay. Um, they're going to be a team that can just being honest here. Uh, they can win the championship. Now the question is, will they? Okay. Katie is the kind of player where you can plug and play him. There's no doubt about that. Like we've seen it over and over again, you could stick him in the like eighties era with no spacing and he would score 30 points a game. Okay. You could stick him in the fifties. You could have him get slapped in the face every play and he would still score 30 a game. He's that kind of incredible talent. Okay. That's not the concern I have with this team. The concern I have is that Defensive chemistry isn't developed overnight. Okay. Um, that's first and foremost. Second and foremost is that um, you traded away all your wing stoppers to get KD, which is, you know, which is fine. You do that to trade for KD. But now the, in the West, that's not so much of a problem, right? Like there's, you have Kawhi and Paul George, but other than that, you know, it's not like the West is drowning in wings like it used to be. And it's not like he'll be playing the Lakers in the first round. Um, and, you know, could be a problem, but he's more of a guard and you have guys that can guard and it might not be pretty, but um, whatever. 
I think the real problem gets to be you talk about this team against the East Juggernauts. The East Juggernauts all have someone with the exception of the Sixers. Okay. Well, let's just talk about the wings. So the I think the Mavs, safe to say, the Mavs and the Suns won't cross paths. But if they played the Mavs, it would be a problem because Luca fried them like a fish the last time they played. Um, to the point where JD and I came on here and it was the most embarrassing game I think either of us had ever seen from a championship contender. Um Kawhi and Paul George, like I brought up previously, the Paul George was giving them problems in 21 when they had um, Mikhail and Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder. Now they are going to add Paul. They're going to they're going to add Kawhi to that mix. And who? I okay. I guess that's an injury I forgot to talk about. Paul George. Um, that could be a massive one. Who knows how long he's out? Um, uh, we'll wait to see. Because who knows at this point, but even Kawhi is going to rip this team to shreds, okay, with the way he's been playing. Now you get to the Eastern Conference. I'm sorry, but they're not stopping Embiid. <laughs> I know he's not a wing, but they, they just can't do it. Like, Embiid's, like, on, they, if they can't stop Jokic, they're not going to be able to stop Embiid, okay? They're not going to be able to stop Tatum. Okay. Let alone Brown. And you throw both of those guys out there. It's going to be Bucket City (laughs) against the Suns. And then we get to the 2021 finals matchup. The budding, the, um, the Lakers Celtics of the 2020s. Devin Booker, Yadis, Atenekumbo. Who would have thought? Um, in all seriousness, it's <laughs> it's a very real possibility, first and foremost. Um, and good luck stopping Giannis, first of all. Second of all, Middleton's slowly picking back up. I know it's been it's been a bumpy road for him, but he is finally I would say he's slowly starting to look like old since let's let's look at since he's reinserted the starting lineup. Okay. So since in the last like 10 games, 21 points a game, seven assists, 48, 36, 88 shooting splits, um, five rebounds. Yeah. It's only nine games, but, um, it's pretty good. You want to zoom out to, let's just say his last 15, or I guess that's a little more than 15, last 17 games. Um, still at 18 points a game. Didn't even start half of those. Um, yeah, he's he's back. And they should be <laughs> they should be terrified of the Bucks. Um now the Bucks should be terrified of them. Okay. It's gonna be impossible to stop Katie and Booker. But I think the Bucks I'll be honest, I've said the Bucks are my championship favorite. Um I really like their depth. I really like the punch they have. Um, I really like the moves they made at the deadline. I really think the um, the Suns, first of all, okay. Booker and Katie are by far 
the two best players on the team. I think Katie, then Booker. Okay. Chris Paul. I am concerned because at this point, he's kind of turning into his old teammate. He's kind of turning into Harden where he's like, okay, I'm going to look for fouls in the most silly way possible. I'm going to be like, haha, let's throw my ass into this defender who's running behind me. Let's see if they call him for a foul. Yep. Oh no, they didn't. Wow. That's weird. Um, and he's not going to be able to keep getting away with that. Like they're at some point, the refs are going to get tired of him. I mean, I'm going to pull up his free throw attempts per game. We're going to see how many he's actually taking. Um, so free throw attempts, he's only taking 2.8. And with how much he's foul baiting out there, you would think he would be taking a lot more. And Booker is only taking 6.5. Um, which by the way, this is what I was talking about when I was talking about that Lakers game. The Suns don't get to the rim. The Suns aren't like aggressive at getting to the rim, but Monty Williams wants to come out and be like, oh, we're getting screwed by the officials. Oh, we're getting blah, blah, blah by the officials. No, you're not. The Lakers are going hard to the rim. Okay. Um, they have 80. Austin Reeves is, you know, the next James Harden, Trey Young flopper. You have... Gen- like generational <laughs> flopper, by the way. Um, either get on his level, okay, or just be more aggressive. There's no reason DeAndre Ayton be taking three free throw attempts a game. There's absolutely none. He's so much bigger than everybody. He should be hurting people trying to get fouled, but he's not. And it's honestly kind of sad to watch. Um, <laughs> This team is really frustrating to watch. I'll be excited to see more KD as we close out the stretch run. Um, by the way, three games. KD scored 27 points a game, seven rebounds, four assists, 69% from the field, 54% from three. Um, six free throw attempts a game. He, he might just be the antidote. To all their problems. I'm saying all these concerns. He just might be the antidote. That's how good he is. Okay, this is why you trade for a guy like Katie. But we can't answer these questions. That, there's a reason why the question is a hypothetical. Because we don't know. Okay. So. I have to. I can't say that we know until we actually know. I think this is a pretty fair statement and assumption. First and foremost. And I don't think like Josh Kogi has been a lot better since the like, especially during that stretch immediately after the KD trade, he was on fire. He's unsurprisingly fallen back to earth. Um, Tory Craig, I've always liked Tory Craig, but he's not really that guy. Um, there's just a lot of question marks about this team. I really wish we could have heard JD rant about DeAndre and you know, that's exactly what we needed. Um, oh, one last bit of NBA news because I forgot to talk about it. I'll, I'll squeeze it in at the end here. The Blazers are shutting down Damian Lillard for the rest of the season. I brought them up in the tanking race earlier. I, I suppose I forgot to mention that particular specific of it. Um, it sucks. 
it sucks. I I'd rather they just make up an injury. Um, he was playing like a top fifteen player again. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's played his last game in Portland. I wouldn't be surprised that they're going all out on a youth movement next year, and I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing Damian Lillard in a bigger market like Miami or like somewhere else. I don't know. I think it would suck. Who knows? Maybe Phoenix. Um, new big three. It'll be really interesting to see what happens with um, Dame. But I, I, I'm closing thoughts about Phoenix, okay? Western Conference hierarchy. I still think the West is so flawed that I'd have them first to come out of the West. Though it's not anything they've particularly done. It's just, I don't trust the rest of the West. Okay. I don't really particularly trust Denver. I would have trusted Denver before the KD trade, but after that trade, I was like, "Mm, I think I'll take my chances with the Suns. Um, I think after, after the Suns, I'll take the Nuggets. Um, They've actually played together for the majority of the year. So that's, you know, and not like, you know, haha. You know, most of these teams have been injured or hurt, missing some key contributor for the majority of the season. Um, after that, I kind of brought this up on the Sacramento episode. Well, so I think I have Memphis third still, um, especially with job back. I think it's they're going to get back on track soon. Um, Sacramento four, probably LA five. As crazy as it sounds, the Lakers, I think those are the top five in the West, but I wouldn't put my money on any of them to win a championship. I think my money's on the Bucks, followed by the Sixers, followed by the Celtics. I think those three are the best teams in the league. Um, and I don't really think it's close. I think whoever comes out of the East is going to win the championship. Now watch as the Warriors come out of the West and win it all again. It's not. I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibility. So um, make sure you... That's all I have for you folks. Make sure you check out all our other offerings on the Running Cook Podcast Network. Um, make sure you check out Lynn Sanity. Caleb Lynn and Bryce Shaddy will be back tomorrow. Well, yeah, tomorrow will be Thursday, so that'll be when um, Lynn Sanity is coming out. Um, they'll be back talking about a crazy, crazy March Madness again. Go Owls. I hope they win it all. Um, make sure you check out Circle City Cinema if you're watching The Mandalorian. Bryce and Zach have you covered talking about the Mandalorian. If you're watching succession, Zach and I will have you covered talking about succession. Um, the disgusting brothers are back, baby. God, I cannot wait to hear the disgusting brothers talk about their exploits. Um, and cause I know it's coming. The question is when, um, if you have any thoughts, feedback, or just any, if you want to talk to me at Alex Burr four, you want to talk to JD at JDBBM22. Um, exactly how it sounds. Um, make sure you follow at the running hook on Twitter. Make sure you follow at Caleb in one. Tell him he sucks. And thank you all so much for listening.